making stitches, and this time in the words of the legendary Noddy Holder, it's Christmas. and welcome to Making Stitches. I'm Lindsay and at this time of year I usually like to take a look back at the past 12 months of Making Stitches. Unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, episodes have been a bit thin on the ground this year compared to previous years. Life has taken a few unexpected turns this year for my family and my time for podcasting has been severely reduced. But I'm still here and I'm so glad I've been able to keep it going, even if it has been on a slightly less frequent basis. So here's your very own Christmas selection box of the year's highlights and a few little extra bits too, including finding out what a tufting gun, handmade Japanese needles and an MJ McKinnon patchwork kit have in common. First of all, though, I'm taking you back to a chat I had with Catherine, the designer behind Catherine Crochets. Catherine's designs involve tapestry crochet and a geometric in style with interlocking motifs. I caught up with her while she was the guest designer at the Crochet Sanctuary in Cheshire and asked how her design adventure had begun. Well, the first design that I came up with was, um, it was a blanket called the Geo Georgie blanket, which it's a tapestry crochet blanket with different sections of sort of quite geometric patterns, as, as the name sort of suggests. So there's a, some triangles, some diamonds and some zigzags. And I'd seen some tapestry crochet in a picture online. So much inspiration <laughs> comes from things like that. I think it was a... It was some small accessory. It might have been a scarf or a hat or something like that. And it had um, just some very simple it looked ge geometric patterns with tapestry creation. I thought, well, that looks looks like a fun technique. Um, I could have a go at that. And I had this idea for a blanket with different sections of different patterns and made it. And it seemed to go down quite well. So it just sort of snowballed from there, really. Brilliant. Yeah. And then you started publishing your own patterns. Yeah, yeah. So I published that one, and yeah, it went went quite well. And then the next, there was a couple of small cushions, and then um, I released a pattern called the Midnight Diamond Blanket, which is squares um, made with tapestry crochet. And when you, they ha each square has a pattern on it, but when you join them together, the patterns kind of link up, and it forms a bigger pattern over the whole blanket. And I was absolutely astounded at how popular that one was really um it's just been incredible and people are still buying the pattern and enjoying making it today i think i was talking to someone here about it last night and they were explaining one of the things they really like about it is how the the pattern spreads over the squares and that it sort of makes it quite addictive i think you just want to add make one more square to add to it and i think that when patterns have that addictive quality it really really helps um people want to make them so that was obviously an absolutely massive boost um, to my confidence how well that one's been and then I haven't really stopped <laughs> since then I think it takes so long to to 
I make everything myself as well, especially blankets. They do take a while to make. So by the time I've finished one, there's been plenty of time for me to have lots of other ideas for the, for the next thing. And it, it, sometimes it's just hard choosing what, what to work on, on next. I can well imagine mm. if, you, if your mind's just popping off with all this inspiration. Yeah, it's... there's just never enough time in the day to yeah. crochet at all. <laughs> I think a lot of people will agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a common problem. <laughs> Another crochet guest this year was Jane Chaya from my latest episode. Now, Jane's a crochet teacher, designer and tech editor. In fact, that's how we met, through Jane tech editing some of my designs for a magazine commission. If you haven't tried crochet yet, please go and listen to my chat with Jane. If her infectious enthusiasm for the craft doesn't inspire you to pick up a crochet hook, I don't know what will. Also sticking with yarn crafts, earlier this year I spoke to clinical psychologist Dr Mia Hobbs. Mia has her own podcast called Why I Knit, in which she speaks to knitters and crocheters about the mental health benefits of their craft. She spoke about how her craft has crossed over into her professional work. I will always talk to people about um, the kind of therapeutic benefits of doing something creative. So most of the so I mainly work with um, children and young people. Most of the people I work with will not be interested in knitting, which is fine. So I tell them a bit of a story about why I find knitting is helpful and why there's evidence that knitting can be beneficial for your mental health. And then we think about, is there something that they have done in the past, maybe as younger children or something that they do do that maybe we could use a bit more intentionally that might have some similar benefits. So some of the things other people have done is like, for example, cake decorating, baking, cooking, some of the things that give you a similar, like it produces a product. <laughs> you get kind of social feedback. Usually people say nice things if you've made them dinner. Um, or, you know, it's very tangible. You can take a picture and send it to your grandma in the same way you could about knitting. Um, sometimes it's been Lego jigsaw puzzles um somebody was doing circuit boards stuff that i don't understand but it was giving them a very similar feeling as in it was something they were doing with their hands it was for the purpose of being creative without really having a a need to do it which i think is important that it's not part of their work or their schoolwork or their job it's a very low stakes thing so you could try something out and it could go wrong and that would be fine um, which I think is another benefit of knitting, really. It's a kind of safe place to make mistakes. So that's the way I brought it into my therapy work. And the other way is by starting the podcast where I'm kind of preaching to the choir, really. So mm -hmm. I have interviewed knitters about how knitting is beneficial to their mental health. And I think I take it in the sense of mental health is something we all have that we have to look after in the same way that we have physical health that we might I don't know go to the gym or go swimming or something and I think it's rare to find a knitter who doesn't think that there's something beneficial that some way in which knitting has benefited their mental health so I've had yeah a really great response to the podcast and um yeah lots of people being very generous and sharing their stories with me um yeah so that, those are some of the ways I've been using bringing together psychology and knitting. 
I always like to get out and about if I can to meet creative people and where better to go than a craft show or festival. There was just one for me this year, my local event, the Great Northern Textile Show. It's now in its second year and in my home city of Manchester. I asked some of my guests for the Great Northern Textile Show episode what they would like to wake up to find in their Christmas stockings on Christmas morning. For me, it would probably be some new handmade Japanese needles. Because mine are getting on a bit now, so I think I could, I should need a new set really. So yeah, handmade Japanese needles. What makes them so special? They're a slightly different shape, whereas normal needles will be round all the way up to and including the eye. The eyes on Japanese needles are flat and they have a round eye. So when we're using the flat silk that we use, it doesn't squash it as it goes through, as it pulls it through the fabric. It helps it spread out and stay nice and shiny. I've always said, and I've always wanted to make them, so a Christmas card with the snowflakes. I always think if somebody sends me a handmade card, it's not quite in my stocking, it might have appeared before my stocking, but I would love to have received a handmade Christmas card. And my intentions for the last six years have been to make those Christmas cards for others. And I'm afraid the cards are still sat there with the ball of wool. Um, so I think something that someone's made for me specifically just shows the, the consideration, the put the time in the effort. It's not about the money. So I would much rather receive a little handmade anything than somebody's gone out and bought me a bottle of perfume or something. Any, any lovely squishy yarn of yeah. any sort to spin or fibres or oh, yeah same for me yeah. too yeah 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 absolutely yeah. that's quite a hard one actually um i probably like a new pair of scissors a new pair of sewing scissors because mine i've i've had them for years but they've started to get a little bit misshapen so a new pair of little embroidery scissors would be lovely it is a what's she called i can't think of the words. Uh, I think she's called MJ McKinnon, this lady, and she does quilt patterns that are like huge diamonds. And the, it's all foundation pieced. So, and it's done, it's, when you've done it, it's, it's basically the biggest diamond that you'll ever see. And I don't do diamonds, but these are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, MJ McKinnon, she's called, an American lady, and she does. So I'd like, I would like a pattern and all the fabric to go with it, and, just to, as a kit, yes, that's what I would really like. <laughs> a huge diamond in fabric form. <laughs> I have wondered about doing punch needle um, work. Uh, it looks a bit dangerous to me. It's got a very sharp pointy end. Um, but I've been looking at far too many videos of uh, things that you can make so yeah, I think a punch needle would be nice. I, I know that a lot of people who make things always think, oh, well, if I had a this, I could do that. And I'm as guilty of that as the next person. So my thing that I always think, if I had that, my life would be better, it would be a tufting gun. I've been gifted a lot of old vintage wools on huge combs, and I've always wanted to try it. Um, so yeah, a tufting gun would be, I'd be a very, very happy girl time can someone wrap up a, an extra day or something I don't know I, I, I what I probably need 
<laughs> it's probably time to be honest because I keep thinking about all the projects I've got waiting for me I think what I should actually what I'd like is my family to give me some tokens to say that they'll do the washing up they'll do the cooking they'll do the clearing up which then would leave me a day to sit on the sofa and indulge that's what I'd like gift voucher for domestics you come up with that yes i think i might have to though you might have a winner on your hands i think i've just designed a new product and sticking with christmas last month i spoke to dr fran darlington pollock the ceo of the greater manchester mayor's charity each year the charity has a drive to raise the funds to offer everyone who finds themselves homeless in the city a bed for the night and wraparound care to help them in other ways too this year, the charity joined forces with Black Sheep Wools to enlist the help of knitters and crocheters to get creative and raise funds for their A Bed Every Night campaign. What we've done is we've got five designs created by a variety of different designers, including some at Black Sheep Wools. And there is a um, like a knitted garland, paper garland type thing, a stocking, a Christmas tree can't remember them all they're all so lovely um but the most exciting one for us is that we have a a special design of our logo which is an umbrella um so people can crochet or knit and the point is that people go to black sheet walls download the pattern it's two pounds a pattern or you can get a bundle of all five for nine pounds um and then all of that pre-vat is coming to us or you can buy a kit, they've done three different colourways, 10% uh, of the kit is coming to us, or you can make a £30 donation and you'll get the patterns as a kind of gift for the donation. £30 is deliberate because £30 covers a bed for the night. So in the bed every night scheme, that's just how much it covers. So we're looking, how many beds can we cover? And it's about, you know, raising the profile of the charity doing it in a way there's something that's very cathartic there's a kind of very big well-being element to this christmas is hard for whether or not you're at risk of homelessness or experiencing homelessness so we're trying to find ways of kind of connecting in all these different areas and also just pushing the profile of the charity into a different audience i think although the charity's been around for since about 2018 it's not a very very well-known charity so this is again trying to push it and then we want to see everyone's attempts the good the bad the ugly you know like just get them all over social media and see how many people we can get um trying a new craft i think now, I don't have the figures for how much has been raised so far with the Black Sheep Wolves collaboration, but I can tell you that as I record this, the A Bed Every Night campaign is approaching two-thirds of the way towards their appeal total to fund a 1,000 beds and wraparound care across the whole of Greater Manchester region. I'll include links to the charity and the Black Sheep Wolves patents in the show notes for this episode. You're listening to Making Stitches, a podcast celebrating creative crafts and inspiring makers. This podcast is supported by the Making Stitches shop on Etsy, where you can find Making Stitches podcast tote bags, badges and stitch markers, along with a few of my crochet patterns for sale too. Just search for Making Stitches shop on Etsy. Now back to more creative chat. It's been a special year for Black Sheep Wolves. The Christmas charity campaign is just one small part of their big year, their 40th year, in fact. In the summer, the family-run business celebrated hitting this milestone with a big birthday weekend celebration. Yarn, Prosecco and cake. What's not to like? 
I was there in a heartbeat. Sarah from Black Sheep Balls has been involved right from the beginning. It's been amazing. The first lady that came through the door, my lady and her husband came through the door, were from Carlisle. And that was amazing that they'd, they'd set off at six o'clock in the morning. The next two customers, one was from Bradford and one was called from Settle in Yorkshire. Wow. So we, we've had a lady that's flown in from Northern Ireland for two nights. So she stayed at a local hotel last night. I've seen her again today. And it's just amazing that people want to come. So the thing that's blown me away more than anything is the amount of people that brought us birthday cards and emails and Facebook posts. And I don't think, um, I don't think you realise, and this is the same with every local yarn shop, this isn't just black sheet walls, the impact as a local yarn shop you have on people. Mm. And it was something we talked about with the team this morning because we got some incredible, we got a Facebook post last night that reduced me to tears, which is not difficult to do. Um... And I was talking about it with Barbara, who just popped in earlier. And I don't, I say, because you're not selling them, you're selling them something that's got a real love for and a real passion. And I think that, and it's also hopefully a place where people can leave, if they've got any anxieties, etc., they can leave that at the door. And it's, and I don't think you realise the impact that a bit of nice service can have on somebody with that. And that's been amazing. Mm. But also yesterday, the thing that surprised me, I got gifted a llama yesterday. The, seriously, it's in the shop. It's like this. He's called Stan. <laughs> and he's a crocheted llama. He is fabulous. Um, and he's made in James C. Brett Flutterby. And a lady said, she'd, it's at home gathering dust and I really want you to have it. I then did spend quite a large part of the day carrying him around because he just, it was like carrying one of my dogs or something. It was gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the more unusual things you've been doing. One of the more unusual things. Yeah, I think as well it's been nice because some of the old team members have come in. Uh, we had Maria in yesterday who worked in our customer service for 20 years when we worked out of the, at one point my mum and dad were working out of the garage at home. And Maria worked at home um, out the garage with them. So Maria was in yesterday. Sally's in today who worked with us for a long time. And that's nice. And customers that you may not have seen for a long time have come in to celebrate. And that's been amazing. Normally, I try to get a balance between guests on the podcast who come from the world of textiles and sewing, as well as yarn crafts. But this year, there was just one from the world of sewing. I promised to put that right in 2024. I spoke to Jen Rich, a photographer and food stylist who taught herself to sew in lockdown and then went on to write a beautiful book for beginner sewers. That's not a bad start, is it? Jen told me all about it. I guess it was... Well, three years ago now, so like a lot of people, lockdown hit and I've been thinking about getting a sewing machine for a while and I thought, you know what, I've got some time now and bought my machine and I haven't stopped since then really. I just fell in love with it and um, yeah, I just started on the kitchen table. Now I've got a whole room in the house (laughs) dedicated to it (laughs) because it's all sort of taken over. So yeah, I guess it was a long time in the making. I did a bit of sewing at school and your bit of cross stitch and things like that but I never properly learned to sew on a sewing machine and so yeah about three years ago wow so from buying a sewing machine three years ago to publishing a book with beautiful sewing patterns in (laughs) that's quite a meteoric rise isn't it (laughs) yeah well I've had a massive imposter syndrome about that because I sort of was like I've only been sewing three years what right have I got to tell anyone how to sew uh but actually speaking to my publisher they thought it was a positive because obviously I'm aiming it at beginners and I'm I just I think everyone 
has the ability to learn how to do it. I think often people are quite intimidated, thinking it's going to be very difficult, especially sewing clothes. But I really honestly believe if people want to <laughs> and they give it a good go, you really can learn. And so um, by actually not being... Yeah, so I publish the thought often if your book's written by someone that's been sewing for 20, 30 years it's quite intimidating you sort of think well it's going to take me years and years to pick this up whereas actually I've done it in three years um and I can do it (laughs) it's sort of you know however long I've been doing it I still I it's I can produce these things and I just wanted to encourage other people to give it a go really and to not feel intimidated they need to dedicate the next 30 years to to learning it that you can pick up the basics quite quickly and just practice and yeah it's quite a good hobby because you never complete it you know you can always learn a new thing or do a new kind of project so um yeah I think definitely imposter syndrome in there (laughs) for sure Uh, but hopefully people can see it as the positive thing that it's not really unachievable. Jen's book is beautiful. You can see her skills from her other work shining through in the photos. Now, are you thinking of trying something new next year? Maybe you've started thinking about some New Year's resolutions. I asked some of the people I spoke to at the Great Northern Textile Show if they had any crafty or creative New Year's resolutions for 2024. I think having a playful attitude to what you make and doing anything you can to kind of avoid the inner critic so I I often work in a way that um, try and try and add chance and um, playfulness into my practice whether it's sort of randomizing things with a dice or kind of approaching my work in quite a playful way I find that unlocks um, lots of possibilities without you kind of questioning the process so I think I'll do more of that this year. Actually yeah I want to create more kits I want to make the range much better, a much wider range of items for people to um, use and make. Um, that's it, really. Well, just just to keep going, I think, and to, to do more knitting. I, I try. I really enjoy doing knitting, particularly of an evening. I find it very relaxing, and uh, I need to make a few more things for myself so that I can I can wear them and enjoy wearing them. Well, it's the usual. Don't buy anything till I've used something up. Yeah don't buy any yarn I never say don't buy any yarn and I never say don't buy any fabric because I always think I like supporting other businesses um I think I just need to I think what I need to do and I'm guilty of not doing is just carving out a bit of time again the time thing but just actually cracking on with some of the things I really want to do instead of scrolling on my phone perhaps instead of just wistfully aimlessly watching tv just make sure I've got something to do while I'm doing it um, I still enjoy it, obviously, but I think I just need to crack on. I need to crack on, really. <laughs> I suppose, really, I should try and finish some projects, but I suspect that's the same for everybody creative, isn't it? <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah, finish everything I've started, basically, yeah. That's about it, yeah. That's a common thread. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Honestly, the number of things I've got that I just think, well, if I start something else... But yeah, I've got tons that I need to finish. But I never will, I'll just start something new, won't I? <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> well, you do, don't you? 
thing is though, I get new fabrics in and then I think, oh, what can I do? And then make something else. I never finished it. I've got that one there, that quilt there, that Liberty one. And I've done the top and I've just never got around to finishing it. It's mad, mad. To try and crochet more. So I have waned slightly over the years with COVID and life that's got in the way. Um, I organise, so I am the one who walks around the room talking to all the new people. So I definitely don't crochet as much as I should or used to. So it is to just do more because all the things that are on display today generally aren't mine. <laughs> so I need to have something on display next year when I come back to the show. So yeah, just to be a bit more active. Less talking and eating cake. <laughs> I know it's a shame we can't eat and crochet at the it's same time. It is, yeah. Which is probably a good thing, actually. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. To spend more time, to yeah. manage time, give up other things to do more of this creating what we do. Um, it's working out how to, to manage a busy life, really, with working and the demands of family and all that. And, yeah, that's my New Year thing at the moment yeah that's it and just as as everybody is try to finish a few more projects than yeah. that you've got on yeah. the go those elusive whips that are forever hanging about so yeah. just to get those finished but yeah just to keep keep going and enjoying it i haven't really thought that far ahead i know that i will keep on making and i think i think from what i've seen of the past two years i think I'll just look forward to extending myself um, with, with things like maybe going into figurative, figurative um, embroidery and the other thing is doing works that have a bit more perspective uh, you know, and being able to add shadow using fabrics or stitch rather than just what a lot of my work is seems to be very sort of 2D flat looking. I want to see if I can get, I suppose I want to get more painterly in my textile art. My thanks to Debbie from Why Not Macrame, Nikki from Allium Threads, Julie from Tilly Flop Designs, Wendy Roby, Jane Smith, Lisa Wilde from Sunnyside Fabrics, The Spinners, Cheryl and Joanne, Helen from Yarn Addicts Manchester and Sheila Haldane for humouring me and answering questions about Christmas and New Year way back in October. And a thank you to all of my guests on Making Stitches, not only this year but all the way back to when I first started on this podcast adventure in 2020. Little did I know then where it would take me or what inspiring makers it had introduced me to. Making Stitches even got an award nomination this year which totally blew me away. An independent podcast award nominee no less. I shall be dining out on that for years. I couldn't do all of this though if it wasn't for the support of you dear listener. Thank you for being there especially this year. I hope you've enjoyed this romp through 2023. Thank you for sharing this adventure with me. All that remains is for me to wish you a happy and peaceful Christmas and I hope that 2024 is kind to you. All being well, I'll be back again in the new year with some more inspiring maker stories for you. Until then, take care of yourself, stay safe and enjoy your crafting.